helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Today, everyone seems to be making claims of, of misinformation. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. In recent history, though, misinformation, disinformation, and even conspiracy theories seem to come true in about, oh, three to six months. This is very dangerous because we don't know what to believe. This can lead us to making important decisions with the wrong information. When those decisions are who should represent us in government, what medications to take, and even what policies to enact, the consequences can be very dire indeed. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. Today, we are going to teach each other how to identify misinformation. I think it's a very important tool to have nowadays. Because I get a number of people that, that they comment, they email, they ask questions. And the funniest thing happens, and it's happening more and more frequently, Frequently, someone will come to me and they will make a statement. Now, generally, they just say, such and such is true or such and such happened or something along those lines. And my first response is, whether I agree with them or not, is generally, well, where's the evidence that what you're saying is true? And I'm usually met with something between a blank stare and a, what do you mean that this happened? Where's your proof? Where's your evidence? All you give me is, is hearsay. Am I supposed to believe it simply because you said so? And sadly, that appears to be the response of many people on the internet. What happened to the days of you can't believe everything you read? Well, that's where I got into this idea of how do we identify misinformation? And I actually developed this as part of my boot camp. So if you've become a patriot, if you've taken the Patriot Study, the Patriot Program boot camp, the Constitution Study boot camp, then you'll be familiar with this because. When I go to identify misinformation, I don't need an AI. I don't need a model. I don't need technology. Four simple questions. Just four. Four simple questions, four simple actions, and I can frequently identify misinformation, or at least information I'm not prepared to trust. Now, what could these four questions be? What could these most powerful, awesome questions be? Well, they're simple. But before I tell you what they are, let's take a look at what the the Oregon Secretary of State is doing. See, in the 2022 elections, they used the, the office used artificial intelligence to flag well what they call our election fraud concerns, things that are misinformation, disinformation, or or malinformation, and they plan on using the same system this year. Now I'm sure people are going, oh, it's artificial intelligence. They'll be able to tell. Not if you understand how artificial intelligence works. See, what we call artificial intelligence is more often simply um, imitation intelligence or just modeling. The idea of you build a model uh, generally in a neural network and you tell it, um, this is true, this is false. And then it goes searching through all this data and says, well, I've been told this is true. Notice that's not the same as actually flagging misinformation or malinformation. It's flagging, this, this AI 
is not designed to flag what is true or not. It's only designed to flag what it has been told is true or not. Why is that important? Well, because AI is a computer. And a computer does what its program tells it to. In other words, you've all heard the statement about 2 plus 2 equals 5. You know, I like to say 2 plus 2 equals 5 for very large instances of 2. And there's a whole thing about that. It comes from, uh, I think it was 1984, and this, this brainwashing technique. To get someone to state something they know is a lie is the truth as part of breaking down their personality. Here's the problem. There's no, there's no personality to break down in, in a computer. If you tell a computer that 2 plus 2 equals 5, it will say that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And that's exactly what's happening with these uh, artificial intelligences. See, they have a, a model, and what they're doing is, the, the way it works is you set up the, the neural network, you give it a base model, and then you show it things. And you say, this is true, this is false. In the example of misinformation, this is true, this is false. This is real, this is misinformation. This is real, this is disinformation. You catch it already? So human beings are training this quote-unquote artificial intelligence with their understanding of what is mis, dis, and malinformation. So all that the, the, this AI that the Secretary of State's office is using is taking the human concept it's been trained with of mis, dis, and malinformation and sifting through data faster than human beings can. In other words... This isn't determining what is true or not. This is only flagging what has been told to flag. And that is information that doesn't comport with whoever trained it. And it's important to understand that. Because simply because someone says, well, you know, AI flagged this as misinformation, doesn't mean diddly squat. Somebody trained that AI. And how they train that AI will determine whether or not the information is true or not. And that's a very important concept. There has to be a truth. For example, if the sky is blue in general, the sky is blue and the grass is green, and you take a, a bunch of pictures and you send that to an AI and you say, hey, the sky is blue, the grass is green, identify the sky, identify the grass, it's going to do a pretty good job. If, on the other hand, you say the sky is green and the grass is blue, it's going to get it wrong each and every time. I bring this up because it's important to understand just because an AI flags something as misinformation, all it is is a, is a machine doing what was told. it was told by human beings. That's it. There's no magic to it. Which brings you to the questions, my four questions. These four questions will help you weed out so much of the misinformation forms. Well, they're actually more, they're more statements than questions. So when somebody comes to you with a statement, this is true, this happened. Well, the first thing to recognize is it's only an opinion until there's proof, there's evidence. Meaning, uh, it's only an opinion, until someone gives you some data showing you that it's true. Let's go back to the misinformation. So we've been told that the claims of problems in the 2020 election 
is misinformation. It was a secure election. Well, that's an opinion. When I bring you proof, such as video evidence of people stuffing ballots into into uh, into drop boxes or counters hiding behind uh, uh, opaque a fence sign so they cannot be observed counting um, of multiple states violating the constitution in the manner of appointing electors those are facts and data and i don't mean me saying it i mean bringing you video evidence or textual evidence and again sometimes you have conflicting evidence so for example um the claims that hunter biden's laptop uh, uh w- w- included information that was it was actually hunter biden's and of course, we were told that was misinformation. Why? Well, because 51 security experts, 51 intelligence experts said this has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Notice that's an opinion. Now, it's an expert opinion, which is point number two. An expert opinion is only an opinion until there is proof. Simply because someone claims, rightly or wrongly, that they are an expert doesn't mean they can't be wrong. So simply because 51 experts say this this looks like Russian disinformation does not make it Russian disinformation. That's why you want to look for the data. So once we once we got the data, in fact we found out that back in 20 was it in 2020, the FBI when they got the image of the hard drive, they said, "Hey, this matches with what we've seen on the cloud backup of Hunter Biden's laptop that we had gotten previously." That is evidence. That's not an opinion. If the data on the laptop matches the data on the backup, that's the right laptop for that backup. And if if both say they were owned by uh, Hunter Biden, well, that, that was Hunter Biden's laptop. See, that's not an opinion. That's not even an expert opinion. That is fact. That is proof. That is, that is data. And it's something we need to pay attention to. So, so uh, rule number one, it's only an opinion until there's proof. Rule number two, an expert opinion is still only an opinion until there is proof. Just because you're an expert. An expert should help you explain the data, but it doesn't mean that you're right all the time simply because you are an expert. You would hope so, but no. So those are, those are first rules. Rule number three, original sources whenever possible you want to get as close to the original sources as possible so let me give you an example of this i've had multiple people on multiple occasions come to me and say that the united states is a privately owned corporation because this expert says this legislation that was passed and signed by congress established a a private corporation for the United States. So we are holding, some of them claim we're owned by Lloyds of London. They make all these grand assumptions. Well, I'm the kind of guy, I go back to the original source. So if you tell me that there is an Incorporation Act of 1872, I'm going to search and I'm going to find the Incorporation Act of 1872 and I'm going to read the Incorporation Act of 1872. Why did I do that? Very simple. See, when I read that document, I found that what it actually did, it's actually, uh, um, it, its proper name is the uh, Organic Act of 1872. It created a municipal corporation for the government of the District of Columbia. It didn't create a new corporation for the United States. It said, oh, we, need a, we want a government for the District of Columbia. To do that, you create a municipal corporation. And that's all they did. 
But I still have people calling me claiming, well, no, the 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 the, docu- the 1828, the Incorporation Act of 1820 did this. Except I read the document and it doesn't say that. And for those of you going, well, no, 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 Paul, it's the Incorporation Act of 1871. Because sometimes people refer to that. Yeah, I, I looked that one up too. It established the laws for incorporating businesses in the District of Columbia. It did not create one for the United States. All right, so it's only an opinion until there's proof. An expert opinion is only an opinion until there's proof. Get as close to the original documents as you can. And number four is check your facts. I can't tell you how many times I do it myself, right? I have a fact. I know something. I need to go back and double check it. Now, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, oh, I read this headline, but what the actual article describes is not what the headline implies. Sometimes it's the it, it, it's it's a proof. I, I've had, um, well, for example, I had there was a point not that long ago when I understood the for a right to be inalienable and unalienable, they were synonymous, inalienable and unalienable. Well, someone sent me a legal dictionary, and that with the or I should say quotes from a legal dictionary that showed the slight difference between those two words. I had to check my facts. Okay, that's a distinction that is, while minuscule, is not unimportant. So I had to be willing to check my facts. So if you want to learn how to deal with misinformation or disinformation, if you want to learn how to identify it, well, again, assume if someone comes to you, it's only an opinion until there is proof. I don't care who it comes from. It comes from the media, it comes from your neighbor, it comes from your best friend, so-and-so heard it on a, on a podcast. It's only an opinion until they provide evidence, real foundational proof evidence. Rule number two, it's only an, an expert opinion is still only an opinion until they provide proof. Whether that that expert be 51 intelligence office, senior intelligence officers or the, 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 the doctor or the scientist who says, well, consensus is settled. It's only an opinion until someone actually provides you proof. Number three, go for the original documents whenever possible or get as close as you can. Many people may notice I use Webster's 1828 Dictionary in a lot of my writings because it's the closest dictionary to the founding era that is, well, a couple of reasons. One, it's the closest one. And I take a dictionary after the, the signing and ratification of the Constitution because um, it's going to capture the words as they were used at that time. Dictionaries are, by definition, they look backwards. Uh, they, they don't establish the meaning of the words. They are recording a previous definition of the word. I, by the way, also use Webster because Noah Webster was a contemporary of the time. He was actually asked to edit the Federalist Papers. He knows his words. Right? So get as close to the original document as you can and be willing to check your facts. Be willing to, to second guess what you believe. When, when evidence shows up that questions, that challenges a, a, a belief, be willing to examine it. That's how we weed out the disinformation. The, the people who, who refuse to do that are the ones that are capt- will always be captured by disinformation because they don't need the proof. They don't need the, 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 the double check to make sure that it's, that it's right. And they get stuck. And then once you're stuck, you can't get away from it. I mean, imagine as kids, we most of us were told that there's a Santa Claus. Imagine growing up to be an adult still thinking there's a Santa Claus. 
with all the evidence to the contrary, still believing in a Santa Claus. Now, I want to look at, at some of the dangers of this misinformation and, and the consequences of it. But before I do, I have to take a break. Now, you may not realize this, but I spend several hours putting stuff together for this radio program. I've got uh, um, news feeds I'm looking through and, and articles I'm researching, and then i got to figure out how I'm going to assemble them. It's a lot of work. And I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, it can get pretty tiring. And it's easy to lose focus, which is why I reach for Healthy Cells Focus and Recall. See, it helps boost my short-term focus and my long-term brain power with nothing but vitamins. No caffeine, no sugar rush, vitamins. I, I, I avoid the coffee. I avoid the, the energy drink. I just use these vitamins and they work. I, I love, I take a, it's, it's a travel-ready gel pack. So I have them in my, in my desk, in my office. I keep them in my bag when I travel. I take one of those in about 15, 20 minutes. The fog dissipates and I'm on the go again. Now, since you are an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order of Focus and Recall or anything from Healthy Cell. Now, to find out how, go to americaoutloud.shop. There's a, there's a, a website you go to and a coupon code. Be sure to use that code. The code is OUTLOUD. So you tell them that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you're going to get 25% off your first order. Again, find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about identifying misinformation. Now, this is a very important tool. It's a very important technique if 
freedom and liberty are going to continue in America. I've talked already about the uh, um, Oregon and, and, and other states that are using artificial intelligence to identify what they refer to as misinformation. I've pointed out that all you're doing is is automating the process of um, putting a human spin on things, that, that AIs are trained as to what they should and should not call misinformation. They just do it faster. Computers are not smart. They're just really, really fast at doing basic mathematics. Now, the other problem you have with misinformation is not simply people silencing what they don't want to hear, but also, well, let's say, putting a spin on what's out there. Take, for example, this was a, an interview on ABC where um, Representative Clyburn was asked a question about uh, Biden's poll numbers. Let's look at some numbers. According to a recent ABC News Ipsos poll, President Biden's approval rating has dropped to a new low, 33%. Are you concerned that his numbers are trending in the wrong direction? Well, I don't think that's a trend. I think that's an outlier. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Listen, I'll give uh, uh, Representative Claiborne one point. He says, I think. All right, he's not stating something of fact. He's stating an opinion. And he says that by saying, I think. Now, let's see what he actually thinks and what he's basing those op that opinion on. Uh, I've seen polls recently that said not only... Is he being approved? But his numbers uh, show that he's leading Trump. I've seen two polls saying that, but I've seen other polls saying differently. What polls, Mr. Claiborne? Just, just what polls? You know, he's, I've seen polls. What polls? You're talking out of your backside. First of all, this is a trend because Biden's approval numbers have pretty much been going down since he took office, and the you know. Again, whether you like it or not, uh, what we're seeing here is is a spin. It's like, oh, no, it's not, you know, pay no attention to the reality. I'm just going to substitute my own idea that, um, you know, I've seen these polls. Are these magic polls? I mean, why won't you even tell us what polls they are? These snapshots are taken at certain times. And when you are uh, polling young people, and young people are not being told what's been done, uh, then that's a problem. Okay, so you're right. Polls are a snapshot in time. Um, it, it, they, they, it's also how they ask the questions a lot. But what's this about? Young people are not being told what's been done? So I, I feel real good about where the campaign is. I think we're beginning to break through uh, simply because we're having complete reporting rather than the incomplete reporting that was being done before. I understand now. See, when, when the numbers go against you, that's incomplete. When you make up numbers that go for you, that's the complete information. This idea that young people are not being told what's been done, uh, I come back to who are you going to believe, Mr. Claiborne or your lying eyes? You see, the... the Biden's poll numbers are not down, in my opinion, primarily because of what people are being told. It's because of what people are seeing. They are seeing the, the uh, uh, mass exodus across our southern border. They're seeing the impact on uh, sanctuary cities and states. They're seeing the, the uh, 
inflation still, while it's gotten better, it's still high. Everything still costs more money. They're seeing the debt explode. They're seeing what's going on. And, well, they turn around and say, uh, maybe this is not the right direction. But I understand. I expect Mr. Claiborne, because let's face it, he's a, he's a member of the Democratic Party. He believes it's his duty to promote whichever candidate the, the Democratic Party wants to promote. And uh, if the facts and data get in the way, what's the old a lawyer saying? You know, when the, when the truth is on your side, argue the truth. When the law is on your side, argue the law. When neither is on your side, uh, pound the table and yell a lot. So again, a reason we need to, to identify misinformation for ourselves is, well, not doing so can lead to some really bad decisions. Uh, take, for example, New York City right now. They've been dealing for months. They've been dealing with um, an explosion in illegal aliens. Now, does it logically follow that if you offer people free stuff, they're going to show up? Sure, it's not a surprise. Of course, New York mayor wants the New York City mayor wants to blame. Um, uh, he wants to blame the, Texas and Florida for sending them up, forgetting that these people, in many cases, asked to go there. But you know, they're they're begging for money. They've seen it's it's a really bad problem. Um, apparently, the problem's getting well. Pardon my language, pretty crappy. You see, since November. Thousands of aliens have been waiting outside a a uh, an intake center at the the former Saint Bridget's School on East Seventh Street in in the East Village, and uh, I mean they, they've been lining up to look for to get their shelter. The thirty day sixty day shelter has expired. They're coming to get some more. Uh, there was a problem. See, the city parks department yanked a group of uh, porta potties from the park now without the porta potties well things have gotten pretty messy actually they started pretty messy because these porta potties were so filthy workers gave up trying to maintain them it's been awful uh one person said one street cleaner said uh, uh there was a cup of what i thought was someone's discarded hot chocolate and uh, it turned out not to be hot chocolate People are saying on warmer days, it can smell like a toilet here and not a well-kept toilet. Now, of course, this reminds me of San Francisco, the only city I know where you can find an app to tell you where the, well, the, the disposal of needles and the human feces are floating around. And um, that's what part this part of New York is dealing with. Now, I, under, I understand that's not what New York wanted. Right. They they thought they could make political points by saying, you know, we'll be a sanctuary city. Um, they just didn't expect the people to actually show up for these sanctuary services. And they, they haven't been prepared to deal with them. I mean, I don't know how many people show up at this center every day, but it seems like three porta potties, well, three porta potties was not enough. And you know, again, New Yorkers are now dealing with the consequences of their prior decision to hire uh, a mayor and a city council that said, sure, send us the aliens. We'll take care of them. No problems. And you'd think maybe others would learn from this. I mean, you would think that people would learn from this, especially, oh, if you're fairly close to New York, like instead of New York City, maybe say New York State, 
You see, starting on January 1st, the state um, decided that, you know what, if you are, they call them a qualified illegal alien over the age of 65, um, they're going to pay for their Medicare, a, a, a free state-run health care option for these people because I guess the emergency Medicaid program wasn't working out so very well. So I just find it interesting as well, the emergency Medicaid program wasn't working, so we'll do it again. We'll just put another name on it. And again, the people of the state of New York will be paying for the health care for these illegal aliens. And according to the uh, state uh, health department, um, the new program is going to have be more comprehensive, a more comprehensive benefits package. So we're going to give them more services. Now, don't get me wrong. I feel for people who have been enticed to come to this country under false pretenses. Some of them are simply looking for a better job, a better life. They're trying to get away possibly from crime or, or, or corruption, but they're looking for something better. They've been promised by different administrations and organizations that they'd be taken care of, and, well, things just aren't looking so good for them at the moment. It seems uh, the city and state of New York, as well as California and Chicago and others, well, they've written checks that their systems just simply can't cash. And as sad as I am for the, the, the you know, again, the aliens are here under false pretenses. Granted, yes, they broke the law to get here because they, they were told they'd be taken care of. The fact that the people of these locations are going to foot the bill well, you did elect these people to represent you. You did empower them to make decisions on your behalf, apparently including the decision to, oh, I don't know, promise all sorts of goodies to people who come, came into the country illegally. And speaking of having to deal with the consequences of the people you, the decisions of people you elect, um, if you live in Oakland and you love In-N-Out, well, sorry, it looks like, o like In-N-Out is closing its only location in Oakland. Ellison, I'm an East Coast boy. I've been to In-N-Out. I remember the first time going to San Francisco. I had a friend who, who grew up in California, and I remember we landed in, in San Francisco, got our rental car, and the first place we went was an In-N-Out burger for lunch. I mean, that's just how into In-N-Out burger uh, uh, people are. But they've announced they're, they're shutting down their only location in Oakland. Now, why are they doing this? Well, they decided they couldn't risk the safety of their workers and their patrons. See, they were fed up with a city plagued by crime. Now, okay, there's a certain logic to it, right? If, if your people simply showing up to work or showing up to buy your food, it, it puts people in danger, maybe having that place there is not such a good thing. And it's also not a minor decision to take a... a a, a location that's been open. You know, they've been in and out been in, in Oakland for, I think, 18 years, according to reports. It's a big deal to shut that down. But here's the thing. This should surprise no one. Now, you may not have known which fast food joint was going to do this, but the idea that places are going to shut down because of rampant crime should surprise absolutely no one. You see, when you stop prosecuting crime, crime increases. See, people tend to think that laws stop criminals. No, no, no. Laws don't do anything. Laws are word on paper. 
No, it's the enforcement. It's the, the punishment of those crimes. It's the enforcement of those laws that actually lower crime. So in a city where, uh, let's say, you've got uh, robberies are up 38%, burglaries 23%, motor vehicle theft 44%, it gets harder and harder to do business. And here's the scary part. See, in and out said that the location that re- that's still there, that they're going to close in March, they say it remains busy and profitable. But they're closing it because it's become a safety issue. The well-being of their customers and their employees just isn't worth it. But you see, this is what happens when you believe the rhetoric that says the problem with crime is people go to jail. Crime, you know, the, the problem with crime isn't that people go to jail, is that people commit crimes. They they rob, they steal, they 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 assault, they harm innocent people. And if you're not going to hold people accountable for that, if if you can, it was in California, you can steal eight hundred, nine hundred dollars worth of stuff, and not be charged. You cannot be surprised when people steal seven, eight, nine hundred dollars worth of stuff. So you, you can't be surprised when businesses are fed up with being robbed, having their employees endangered, having their customers endangered. Whether it be in and out in, in, in Oakland or uh, Walgreens in Massachusetts. I love when people say, you're doing it because you're closing these stores in, in black and Latino neighborhoods because you're racist. No, they're closing those stores because they're the ones being robbed. Isn't it interesting that you don't see the robberies in uh, affluent neighborhoods, nice suburbs? You don't see the same robbery problem. You see it in low-income areas, which is exactly the people they're complaining. You're, how dare how dare you uh, close a store in a low-income neighborhood? Don't those people need services? If you're worried about the stores closing, how about you enforce the laws? How about you start putting police on the street? How about you start protecting those businesses from the very crimes that you that the law says is criminal. How about you do that? I'm pretty sure if those Walgreens were making money rather than losing money to to uh, to crime, they wouldn't be closing them down. But you see, that's the problem with misinformation. If you don't identify what the problem is, if you listen to one group that says the only reason that Walgreens are shutting these stores down is because they're racist, well, then you end up with a a solution that doesn't that doesn't work. You recognize that maybe they're closing those stores in those places because that's where they're losing the most money. That's where they've got the most crime. That's where their people and their customers are most in danger. Then maybe that's not a racist decision. Maybe that's a a rational decision. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Somebody find data that shows me that these stores were not losing money due to crime, and I'll consider it. But you can't just say that it's so and expect me to believe it. No, no, no. You have to provide evidence and data. And I want to talk more about that after the break, but I do have to take a break. Uh, before I go, though, uh, please check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. I've got so much information there. I'm starting a new, uh, I'm going to call it my, my news digest, my daily news digest, where if you want to see the articles that I'm looking at, well, you can see them on the website or you can sign up for the, the digest. It's probably going to start uh, early February. And you can have a, a daily email 
with the, the news articles that have caught my attention. So f- keep an eye on the website constitutionstudy.com and find out more. While you're looking at places to, to visit, I recommend americaoutloud.news. In fact, I go there every day to find out what's going on. I, take, I get articles and stories and podcasts and videos, but here's what I'd love you to do. Look at what's there. Find something that maybe explains an idea a way you'd never heard of it before. Or maybe it's something new, something you'd never considered before. Take that article, that, that video, that story, and share it. Share it with friends, share it with family, share it on social media. It doesn't matter how big your following is. It's the act of sharing this information that helps us secure the blessings of liberty. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's foreign protein cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study, and today we're talking about identifying misinformation. Now, it's interesting. You'd think that generally smart people would be able to identify misinformation, but a recent survey by uh, this is by the was it the Committee to Unleash Prosperity may question that assumption. In fact, it may fall into what I'd call being educated into imbecility. Now, what they did is they surveyed what they refer to as the American elite. Uh, That's defined as people having at least one postgraduate degree, earning at least $150,000 a year, living in a high population density area, and compared that with what they refer to as the average American. 
Now, according to them, the, the, these elites represent approximately 1% of the U.S. population, but they do have a large voice in public policy. Now, let me follow along. So they, here are some of the results of what they found. Just as quick skimming, I'll put a link to the full survey in the, uh, the show page when it shows up. Uh, let's see, according to their survey, um, in a time when most Americans have suffered a loss of real take-home pay, 74% of elites say they are financially better off today than, versus, than in the past compared to just 20% of average Americans. Now, why is that interesting? Well, do you worry about the fiscal policies if you're not harmed by them? <laughs> what do you care for running a debt if, guess what, you're financially better off than you were several years ago? A couple more. Uh, let's see. Six in ten elites say there is too much individual freedom in America. Sixty percent. More than two-thirds favor rationing energy and food sources. Compare that with the rest of America. 70% of elites trust the government to do the right thing most of the time. Two-thirds say teachers and other educational professionals should decide what children are taught rather than letting their parents decide. And somewhere between half and two-thirds favor banning things like SUVs, gas stoves, air conditioners, non-essential air travel, all to protect the environment. Now, I just want you to consider those numbers for a second. They 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 they're taking home more pay, they're they're financially better off than they were than they were before. They believe that we have too much freedom, that um, we should not be allowed to. That we should be rationed in our food and energy. That government is smart and government should be able to do they, they do the right thing most of the time. That government professionals should decide what your children are taught rather than you. And that you should not be allowed to own things like SUVs, gas stoves, etc. They think they know better. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important for a couple of reasons. One of which is about six in ten elites, they have favorable opinions of what they call talking professions, right? Lawyers, lobbyists, politicians, and journalists. Meaning, I would, I would extrapolate that the elites... Well, they have a lot of influence, right? Because they talk to lawyers and lobbyists and politicians and journalists, meaning the people that are making the laws, they have a, 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 a more interaction with, and the people that are reporting what's going on are more aligned with the elitists, which is probably why Joe Biden has an 84% job approval rating from the one, top 1% while his ratings under the, for the rest of America hover somewhere in the mid-30%. See, this is what I refer to as being educated into imbecility. These people, many of which, by the way, have been trained in elite schools. This is how things are supposed to work. And when they don't work for everybody else, it doesn't matter. They are not suffering the consequences. It's the bubble idea, right? If you don't expose yourself to contrary information... You become it becomes a very incestuous educational structure. Now listen, if that's their opinion, that's their opinion. I don't mind that they have that opinion. It tells me a lot about them. It tells me that they live in a very privileged world. They don't worry about taxes because they make more money anyway. They aren't worried about um, things like SUVs. My guess is they don't drive them. 
If they're willing to take away from you, I doubt they drive them themselves. Not entirely, but... So what we see is this, you see a group of people that are supposed to be the best and the brightest. The, the people that we see in, in media, you know, in, on the news and in boardrooms and in academia, but they're the ones detached from reality. And they're living with their own misinformation. The problem is they're making policies or promoting policies that harm us. But yet these are the very experts we are told, we're told we have to listen to. You have to listen to the experts because they know best. These are the same people that told us the coronavirus was going to kill everybody, even though its overall death rate was zero point, was it 0.6%, something along that lines. They were told that the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the COVID jab that they falsely claimed was a vaccine was safe and effective and that if you got the vaccine, you wouldn't be able to pass on. If you got COVID, you wouldn't get so sick and you wouldn't be able to pass it on. Well, those have been proven wrong, too. And what's interesting is the National Institutes of Health, they seem to be having a problem because more and more information comes leaking out that tells us what they actually knew and just figured the people didn't need to know. See, part of the problem with misinformation is when the people who are deciding what is and isn't true are covering their backsides rather than exposing, exposing the truth, well, then, again, we make very dangerous decisions, decisions with, with serious long-term consequences. For example, when uh, uh, the former director of NIAID, Dr. Fauci, and the former NIH director, Francis Collins, uh, were testified before a subcommittee in the House, uh, their allegations that they both recanted the very portrayal of the lab leak theory of COVID, they, they, they recanted that, that and... and we have evidence that they knew there were potent, that it was a potentially a lab leak. Did that have an impact in how you developed a, uh, a, a treatment for it? In, in how you developed a, a vaccine to prevent it? You see, just because somebody gets a government paycheck, contrary to what apparently the elites believe, doesn't mean they know what they're doing and doesn't, and doesn't mean they are pure as the wind-driven snow and that they have the right answers to any of life's questions, much less the ability to decide what's, what's best for 330 million Americans across the country. Again, these were experts that we're finding out now, well, they lied to us. And those, you know, trusting those experts and trusting government really, well, it's really freaking come up with some serious issues. Well, for example, there have been reports that uh, gov federal government actors have been searching resources at the Department of the Treasury for Americans' private financial information involving, among other things, religious texts. I talked about this, this previously, where um, in a letter to uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen, uh, the director of the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, um, said uh, they, they, were, they were asked to search for terms like Trump, MAGA, uh, and uh, yes, uh, anything involving religious texts like, oh, the Bible. Now, uh, Senator Tim Scott is none too happy about this, apparently. Uh, he wants to know 
On what basis did the Treasury and FinCEN conclude that purchasing or possessing of religious texts may indicate an extremism? Who made the decision for Treasury and FinCEN to warn financial institutions that religious texts may indicate extremism? See, this is part of the, the, the this is uh, the, the misinformation bubble, right? Oh, you know, you, you radical extremists and, and, and people who, again, think religious people are nuts. Now they are making these, if not direct allegations, certainly implying that uh, purchasing religious texts may make you dangerous, or at least, at least worthy, it's probable cause for additional investigation. So you see, the very elites say, oh, you should just shut up and, and listen to your masters in government. The very same masters that think purchasing religious texts should be flagged as, as, as an extreme, a domestic violent extremist. That, that um, doing, buying anything with the words MAGA or Trump on it means you should be flagged and, and, and followed. That actually just traveling, having traveled to the D.C. area, in uh, around January 6th means you can be flagged and put on a watch list. See, that's the problem we have is then the people who are trying to define what is and isn't misinformation are these elitists who are so detached from the rest of the world, you end up with things like that. You end up with, with doctors that say, well, we, we, we can't tell them the truth because then they'd stop taking the vaccine even though the vaccine may be harmful to them. That, that we have to watch out. I mean, these people, they, they read, they buy Bibles. Then maybe they buy Korans. Um, you know, oh, they bought gear with Trump and Magana. We have to watch them. They could be dangerous. It's why it's so important to understand how to identify misinformation. Partially because people will use this misinformation well, to restrict your rights. Partially because, well, unless you take the time to look at it and, and analyze it, you may fall for some of this stuff. I forget who was it said, um, if, you, if you don't believe in God, it's not that you believe in nothing, it's that you'll believe anything. If you believe everything you read, everything you hear, then... What's to keep people from lying to you? How do you know? That's why I say, and I'm going to go back to the, the, the four rules, right? When you read something on the internet, when you hear it on the, in the media, when, when someone sends you or forwards you a, a letter with some claim, I don't care how much you agree with it or not, follow the four rules. Remember, it's only an opinion until there's proof. That even if it's an expert, it's still only an opinion until there is proof. You want as close to original documents as you can possibly get, and you want to double-check your assumptions, double-check your facts. That's how we, we weed out misinformation. And why is it important that we do this for ourselves? It's very simple. Whoever decides what is true is in charge. See, if, if I get to decide what's true for you, I can mold your worldview, I can mold your future, I can mold your decision-making. If you do it for yourself, you're in control. 
It's who is the master of your life. And let's remember, misinformation is merely the, the nom de plume of the day. Misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. It's just another twist on propaganda. Real truth versus good truth. Call it whatever you want. The point is, do we know that there is such a thing as truth? If we, if we can't agree that there is, the, there is truth, then we're in trouble. If you can't, if you can't agree that there's a direction known as north, you cannot navigate. You cannot navigate this world unless you agree there is a north. And it's, it's observable and it's measurable. And oh, by the way, it is not where your compass points. Here's a little detail. Your compass points to the magnetic north, which is not the true north. I remember having this beaten into my head when I was, when I was studying navigation, uh, considering becoming a pilot. There's a difference between magnetic north and true north, and if you don't know the difference, you're not going to get where you need to go. So I hope I've impressed on you the importance of identifying misinformation for yourself, regardless of who it comes from, even if it comes from me. That's a little harder on the radio, but when I write my articles, there's a reason why I put links to where I get my quotes, because I want people to be able to double check them. I want them to go there and read. This is where I got that data. I got, I got a call the other day about an article I wrote, and someone said, gee, are these numbers true? And I said, sure. Look at the article. There's a link to my source right in the, right in the, the quote. It's important. I don't get offended if you don't believe what I said because I said it. I get frustrated if you refuse to, to look at the data. You know, if the, the data looks you in the face and you still can't accept it. I might get frustrated, but then again, that's simply your opinion. And I also get frustrated when people come to me and simply accept, expect me to accept their opinion simply because they say so. It's not going to work. You see, I believe the road to liberty is paved by taking responsibility for your own actions by finding out for yourself. Now, we can't find out everything, which is why we use trusted sources. But those, that trust must be earned, and it must be verified. We must do that. You know, Frederick Bonhoeffer wrote a, a, a paper. He called it The Theory of Stupid. The stupid person was the, the one who, no matter how much evidence you showed them, refused to change their mind. Let's not be stupid. Let's not be so open-minded that our brains fall out, but let's not be so closed-minded that we won't accept that we may be wrong. And Reagan used to say it, trust but verify. Whatever metaphor you use, whatever language you use that helps you make sense, please learn to identify misinformation and use that skill daily. If we don't double-check what we've been told, it's not that we'll believe nothing, but that we'll believe absolutely every, anything. And sooner or later, that anything may be as irrational as believing that 2 plus 2 equals 5. Well, simply because some expert told me so. Now, I hope you found this engaging enough that you also want to come back. Because the Constitution Study is heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, please 
check us out on podcast. The bod- the podcast goes out generally a day or two after the episodes are heard on the radio, and you can listen with whatever your favorite podcast app is. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. It's how other places find the Constitution. So it's how other people find it. We end up on lists and, and all of that. Leave a rating as well. Apple Podcasts loves it. When you rate a show, it helps other it, it raises it up in the ratings and help people see it. And other people can see and hear the Constitution study for themselves. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at AmericaOutloud.news. But as I keep saying, you know, it Knowledge is not power unless it's put into action. Knowledge about what's going on, knowledge about the the, the podcast or the radio program or anything is not powerful until you put it into action. That action is sharing. Share the link, share the story, share the shows, and share the blessings of liberty.